Bloody Elbow presents the sixth round post-fight show, which gives you a rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on this weekend's UFC event. Hey everybody, welcome back to the sixth round post-fight show with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Eddie Mercado. We're coming to you guys right from the finish of UFC Vegas 60, Sandhagen versus Song, going down at the Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada. And, uh, you know, there were some decisions on this card. The main event ended in a doctor stoppage. We had a bunch of cuts, a bunch of whatever. It was tech a subs. really fun night. Yeah, tech subs. Two. Two tech subs. Two tech subs. And it was it just weirdness aside, decisions aside, this was a really fun night. I, it was, uh, you know, got off to maybe a little bit of a slow start here and there, but I had a good time with this one. Yeah, seven finishes and six decisions, not so bad. So over batting over 500 with the finishes, I can't quite complain about that. And I got to complain decisions. a little, though, because I, I, I went seven and six on fight picks, too, and that's inexcusable. I, I got to uh, my number, though. Uh, you know, everyone everyone has an off night. It's better than 500, be. so I'll take that. And we had, there were some, like, really unexpected upsets. There were, there were. So at least two, anyways, I'll, I'll say, for me, at least. Yeah. Um, but this card kind of had a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, the violence was high. The bloodshed was high. A ton of cuts. The elbows were just flying. Uh, a nasty knee split the split like right between the eyebrows of, of uh, Rodriguez of RoboCop. And yep. he somehow managed to not completely peel his mask off and fought through it to rally and get a TKO himself. And uh, the main event ended because of a gruesome cut from a step-in elbow so i mean i'm excited it, i yeah. feel like it's a good night for the muay thai it, it there was a lot of muay thai on display there's there's a little bit of everything like we we've said before often enough that the best cards they have a little bit of everything they let you down a little they build you up a little you get the thrills <laughs> you get the chills you get you know you get everything if it were all bangers all the way through it would become a little one note you got to throw uh Trevin Giles Louis Louis Cosi in there on the prelims to slow it down a little and make you remember like when you follow up with Damon Jackson Pat Sabatini what the thrill of an instant finish feels like you know yeah no kidding wow yeah that was that was electric for sure let's, let's dive into the main event here Corey Sandhagen Song Yudong and um, first and foremost, you know, I know that the the commentary booth was calling this for Sandhagen pretty well down the line, but right, you know, I was pretty impressed by Song Yudong. I know he lost the last two rounds of that fight, but I thought he really took it to Sandhagen early, made this a great fight early on, and then that cut really did start changing things. Like I don't even. I don't even want to say that it changed the way that Song wanted to fight or anything, but it clear, clearly it gave Sandhagen more opportunity. It made him feel, I think, more confident about opening up and keeping on target. He had a target to focus on, you know? It gave him something to yeah. pick at, something to work on, and he took over the fight as it went on. Yeah. Um, I don't uh, Honestly, man, I think that would have happened regardless of the cut. I feel like... Yeah. Maybe. Sandhagen fought brilliantly out there. He, I mean, he's, you know, initiating these takedowns that he really didn't even care if he got or not. That was so smart. 
like keeping song yeah. guessing, just being being brilliant, like showing the takedowns, fighting long from the outside, which I expect the whole time, but also, you know, switching directions abruptly and coming in with those step in elbows. It's just such a thing of beauty. Again, someone in Song who he's so explosive and athletic and powerful that when when Song moves forward, he's moving forward. And using that aggression against him, I thought it was a really smart performance. Uh, there was that moment at the beginning of the second round where Song landed a nasty left hook and it sent Sanhagen stumbling backwards to the fence. And I, was, I started to get a little shaky for Sanhagen there. I was like, uh-oh, it's, it might be happening. But Sanhagen, man, credit to him. He was able to tough it out, recover, and uh, that's the round he landed the cut that uh, ultimately was was the uh, cause of the fight being stopped. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was great work from Sandhagen. I got no complaints over the way he fought this. I'm just, you know, I also want to give a little credit to Song. I think he I think he navigated the fight early a lot better than I thought he would. He he stopped Sandhagen from jumping out to an early lead. He made Sandhagen have to work his way into the fight, figure out what worked, you know, the takedowns. Like he, Sandhagen may not have wanted them all. But there were times where Song Yudong really made him pay for them too. So Oh yeah. It was it was a great fight. And it just it's too bad that the cut had to stop it. I would have loved like Sandhagen to see the round five of it. Uh I kinda actually I guess. I'm happy that the fight was stopped for the Well, cut. I'm happy the fight was stopped because of the cut. I would have but I would have loved to see it go all five rounds. You know what I mean? I would have yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm, I'm super cool with the TK. Like, you land a nasty step in elbow like that, and it ends up the fights get stopped because of it. Like, that's cool. If it was like a clash of heads that caused a yeah. cut, then I'm like, ah, that's. I, I'm saying I would have loved to have no cut at all. Is what I'm saying. Really? Yeah, I would love it. Hey, man, that's that's damage, bro. I'm here for it. It is damn. Okay, well, I I still, you know. That's, I think you just love Song Yudong. I, mean, I do. I do love my. I do love Yudong. It's you know what. <laughs> it's true, and I can't deny it. And it is what it is. I would be. It would. It would be a lie to sit here and try and pretend that I had any other way about it. But um, it was it was a great fight, and yeah. I got no complaints at the end of the day. And for Sandhagen, you know, he called out for fights with Marlon Vera and Marab Dvalishvili. I mean, kind of, you know, we got uh, Daniel Cormier fed him that a little at the end there. I'm sure Sandhagen wants a title shot. He's right up there in the uh, in the running for it. What What's our next? Uh, we got Dillashaw, that's right. Dillashaw versus uh, Sterling coming up here. Before Sterling and then Peter Yawn and uh, Sean O'Malley are going at it. Yeah. And so yeah. Cheetah is coming off that epic knockout. And then uh, Mirab's out there waiting for a fight. Yeah, so Duval is really, or Vera, they both feel like more likely since if, if Yawn wins, then he already beat Sandhagen. They're not going to turn around and just give Sandhagen the fight over Jan. And if uh, uh, what's his name? O'Malley wins, then you know that the UFC's they're not not about to turn down the potential that Sean O'Malley could be their top contender. Right. 
And I mean, Aljamain already choked Sam Hagen unconscious, so he has yeah. that working against him. Yeah. And Dillashaw took a highly contentious split decision over him. So it is kind of bad news all around in that main event for Corey Sandhagen. Yeah. True. He's gonna be the last dude that either San- either Dillashaw or Sterling want to fight. Because he's dangerous as hell yeah. and both already beat him. Honestly, he might have to fight two more times before even being um <laughs> You know, depends how depending on how it plays out, but he he might have to fight twice before even being considered for a title shot. Yeah, that's rough. I feel for the man because he's been he's electric out there, and he's right he's right there at the cusp. So it's good for us though, because I mean I'm just happy there's a division where there's that many contenders at the top, like all deserving. Yeah. So it makes it exciting for me. Co-main event, though, that's my fight of the night. Oh, uh, yes. Gregory Rodriguez, Chidi and Jakawani. And I knew going in that these two would go to... I, well, there's, I mean, it's not even about Njikawani, honestly. As much as I like Njikawani, as much as I like Chidi, Chidi, bang, bang. Um, Rodriguez... He's gonna, he, he was going to take the fight to him, no matter what. Yeah. And then Jaquani was going to hit him really hard on the counter and find his spots. But Rodriguez was going to make this fight a brutal war. No questions asked. And he almost got finished in like the first 30 seconds of it. And oh, man, a full on car crash with, full with on his, car. his skull and Jaquani's knee. Yeah. He picked the wrong time to shoot in for a takedown. He really did. And he, I mean, he almost got finished. And then I, I think I ended up giving him that first round, even. Like, yeah. he what? rallied back, and he had Njikwani hurt bad by the end of that round. Yeah, yeah, no, he did drop him. That's true. But I, I, I gave it, still gave it to Chitty for the damage. Sure, either way. Like, come on, the dude, the dude was, he, he, he looked like he got hit with a hatchet. <laughs> he did hit him with a hatchet, it's true. You can't, you can't really refuse that. He was really getting into that Marvin Eastman Vitor Belfort territory. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Like it was it, it was one of the worst like it literally looked like he was gonna peel his face off. Mm-hmm. Like right at the bridge of his like right above the bridge of his nose. Ugh, gruesome. But man, yeah, I, I definitely expected a very close war here. Um but I thought Chitty would pull it out. I ex- I expected oh, him to shine to shine in the clinch. And he did really great work in the clinch, yeah. but he just couldn't seem to to make Rodriguez go away, or he couldn't uh, like. There's there's just no like backward step in him at all. RoboCop is just gonna come forward, yeah. and like no matter what. The problem is the pace, and like, and Jaquani, even in his great fights that he's been having lately, he's still always been a guy who wants to who works off his back foot who's willing to get up against the cage and get pressed backwards and then have to fight off his back foot. And Rodriguez puts the kind of pressure on you that you have to, you have to find the kill shot. You have to put him away because otherwise he will swarm you to the death. You cannot scare him off. And, and Jaquani, like he tried, he put all the hands on him. He needed to, he, he made that. He did everything he needed to do to win that fight, and it didn't happen. And mm-hmm. Rodriguez rallied back, and he took it from him. 
man, Rodriguez took so much punishment. I'm talking yeah. knees to the body, elbows to the face, that knee to the face, and it just didn't matter, man. It was, the way he shook off that knee to the face is really remarkable. Yeah. Like it's, Great fight. Round of the year, very easily in that first round. Just absolutely fantastic. Um, it's it's uh it's it's definitely yeah it's got to be round of the year. Yeah, for sure. Like if you if you go watch any round from this from this card, go watch that one. Oh hey, we do have scorecards now for the Sanhagen from Sanhagen song, and as I thought, as I scored it. As I predicted, me, the best, the greatest. <laughs> I know, I know, okay. Uh, Sandhagen, it was tied. It was a tied fight through four, four rounds. Song took rounds one and two on two judges' cards. What? Yeah. Okay, well, he did get the knockdown. Or he won knockdown, the first the round, no question. And then right, the second right, round right. was razor, razor close. There was the cut. But Song had a lot of big moments in that first round. He landed most of the hard shots. He got split open, but he landed the better shots. So two judges gave him the first first two rounds. So it was a tied fight going into the fifth. Fair enough. It's, It's rough. It's a rough way to have it end on that cut. Yeah, but I mean, all the momentum was it was, it was, was all on the of side of, was on the side of Sandhagen. Those the round round two was close. Rounds three and four were not close. They were Sandhagen rounds, no question. And I, I'm I'm kind of even more glad it stopped on a cut because you know it promotes damage. It promotes slicing open your opponents. I'm 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 here for it, man. Yeah. If if you if you hurt your opponent bad enough to where a physician, like a medical trained yeah, professional yeah. says, Hey, you're not, you're not fit to fight. You should get the W. It's true. It's true. What was I'm trying to think? What was the fight last week? Was it, um, let's see. I feel like, uh, maybe, I, maybe I got it wrong. I feel like there was a fight in the last couple weeks that ended on a doctor's stoppage. Or ended on some kind of injury. Can't remember what it was now. That and that was like a cut or something. Not, I don't, it wasn't a cut. It was like an arm injury or something. Or a you're talking about Ortega. What was it, Ortega? Ortega pulling out of that. No, 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 no. Just just more recently than that. But I can't remember what it was. Um. So it might not. It might not matter. But. It was the doctor. The doctor stopped it, or the the ref stopped it, and there was an injury, and the fighter was like, "Oh, you know, I didn't want to win like that." And it's like, "Why not? You hurt the man. Like, enjoy it, you know." Oh yeah. Go yeah. out there and and enjoy the fact that you did what you're trying to do because you're trying to hurt this. Oh no, no, it was Aldana Chasen. That's what it was. Oh, that upkick to the liver. Yeah. And Aldana was like, yeah, it's kind of a freak injury. I didn't really, you know, expect to win that way kind of thing. And it's just like, what are you talking about? Yeah, that thing was sweet. It was sweet. It was great. Do it. You know, that's what you, you threw the kick. You, you throw every strike. You should, every strike you throw, you should hope to hurt somebody. So, 
Uh, yeah, I can't I can't have any real qualms about it. It was just interesting to note that it was tied through four rounds. Anyway, uh, that brings us to Andre Feely, Bill Algio, and this, banger. this, this was a banger. banger too. It's a great fight. All the scrant, well, all the. All the kickboxing, I really am surprised, especially given how quickly Feely got Algio down in the third round, that Feely didn't try that earlier. I thought that Feely could go out there and out-grapple Algio. Um, yeah. Hmm. I kind of had the feeling this was going to be a kickboxing match the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you like, like, Algio is really known for his grappling, and Feely's a damn good wrestler. So I just... I felt like they were just going to have this like unspoken rule that, hey, I'm not going for the takedown and you're not going for the takedown. So let's see who's just the better rounded mixed martial artist. Yeah, and you know. two two rounds, they just went at it. Like that, yeah. was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Algie actually surprised me. Yeah, he was able, he put all, he just put a lot of volume in front of Feely. A lot of low kicks, a lot of jabs, a lot of slapping hooks. He, you know, it's it's one of those things that, is I, I'm glad to see it happening more and more in MMA. I feel like there was this fight, and there was um, the uh, oh, what was the earlier fight? There was another fight. Oh, the Ogden fight further down the card, mm-hmm. where fighters are just they're using their lead hand a lot more, and they're using it to stop their opponent from coming at them and bringing a fight to them. Even Sanhagen, he was yeah. utilizing, he was pumping the shit out of his jab. Exactly. But you know, even if in the case of Algio and Ogden, there are a lot of slap and left hooks and just little kind of throwaway low kicks and stuff like that from both of them. And it wasn't, those strikes didn't do a lot of damage. In Algio's case, they didn't win him the fight. But they gave, they clearly stopped the moment, the momentum of their opponent. A lot. And they made this fight really weird to score. I figured Feely would get it 29-28. There was even an argument for him to get it 30-27 that round three. I don't know. How did you score the round three? That's what I want to know. Um, I gave it to Feely because he was much closer to finishing the fight than Algio was. Yeah. Like... Like, it looks good that Algio it was landing all of those punches. Like, on paper, you might be like, mm-hmm. how did Feely win this round? But, like, when someone's on your back, like, I've never seen, not saying it can't happen, but I've never seen someone generate enough power with someone on their back to punch them and stop a fight. Yeah, there is. that. That's, I think, honestly, kind of the core of it is that it, if, if. Feely had not got his arm under Algio's chin. If he'd not got it around the neck and squeezed for a significant amount of time, I would have been willing to give that round to Algio. But the fact is, he had the rear naked choke. He locked it in. It was close. He was close to finishing that fight. And you got to reward that kind of grappling. You've got to reward it the same way you would a knockdown. You've got to reward it the same way you would, you know, stunning somebody, wobbling somebody on the feet where you're like, oh, wow, you almost finished that guy. Right. So. And that's, that's another thing. So Algio was landing those punches, 
yeah. but they weren't significant strikes. They were yeah. just strikes. They they and were good. If 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 Feely hadn't had that choke so close to locked in, I would be willing to give Algio the round for those punches. You like you got back control and you're getting pu- punched in the face fifty times. That is that is definitely a you problem. Well, yeah, I mean, but that's it's hard to see someone just holding on and getting punched in the face without doing anything. It, it's it, like he, it, the punches it, were only there because Feely was going for the choke. It's true. It's true. So I gave out. I gave Feely the the fight. You gave Feely the fight. Judges gave it a split. They, you know, at least one judge was willing to award Algio that third round. So, mm. yeah, kind of well, crazy fight. Definitely a weird fight. Yeah, but it, it was fun. I had a yeah, lot of fun, fun during it. Though. It was it was highly competitive. Probably the most competitive, uh, complete fight we saw out there for three mm-hmm. whole rounds. Yeah. Absolutely. A lot of fun. Great bout. And, uh, you know, terrible news for Feely in the in the end. They're talking yeah. about, you know, losing losing a child. That's awful. And, you know, hope all the best for him, because that's, you know, that's rough. Yeah, there's no there's no winning out there that he can do that makes that better, you know. Yeah, our thoughts definitely go out to him and his family. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, it's hard to transition from that to Joe Piper knocking out Alan Lewandowski. I'm going to tell you, um, it's exactly the win Piper needed to kick off his UFC career. Lewandowski was set up for set up to take the loss here. I kind of feel bad for Lewandowski, like. You lose two, you you lose two fights, three fights even, wasn't it? Yeah, you lose three straight fights Four. pretty handily. Oh, you and mean then, like coming into this? Yeah, coming into this, and then you get and you get set up against like the guy that that Dana White is most hyped about this year. You gave that Dana White gave the guy like rent for a year, you know? Yeah, that's really rare. Yeah. That's, uh, so, that's some Dana White privilege right there. That That is true Dana White privilege. <laughs> um, I but, them. I mean, I'm not mad about it. Like, that's no, good to see, like, Dana investing in his fighters. Yeah, yeah. If you're not, if you're, if you're not going to pay these guys enough to, to make rent, then you might as well pay them enough to make rent, you know? Yeah, but he did win 50 Gs for a uh, performance bonus. That's right, that's right. We got our, our, our producers... Kicked us over the performance bonus info here. Uh, Joe Pfeiffer, Damon Jackson, and then, of course, fight of the night, Gregory Rodriguez, Chidi and Jaquani. So I feel a little bad for Nicholas Mata, I'm going to say, though. He's, he's, you know, if anybody on this card is, is a dude I was rooting for, it's him. And he's also talking about sleeping in basements and favelas and yeah. all that. So. Honestly, there was a lot of uh, sad backstories. There, there were some real sad. There was some real tragedy in this fight card. Just some real pathos. Although, you know, I guess everybody with the tragedy won, so we can all we can look at these as like little silver lining stories. I don't know. Well, to be fair, we didn't really hear from the losing side, so we don't know what they were going. That's through. true. That's true. There might have been a bunch of tragedy on the losing side too that we just didn't. Just assume every 
all all the sob stories on one card and UFC sob story. Oh jeez. Now our, our producer is also telling us that Loma Lukbunmi has talked about her struggles with uh, suicidal ideation and depression in the presser, so oh. uh, <laughs> how am I how are we supposed to That's not look? funny, Zane. It's not. I'm not I'm not, <laughs> not laughing at that. I'm laughing at my trying to have to transfer transfer to talking about dudes punching each other again because I don't Yeah. All right. Uh, Rodrigo Nascimento, Tanner Bozer, heavyweight bout, split decision. Um, it, my spirit wants this fight to be scored for Tanner Bozer. The reality was that I was not at all surprised that Rodrigo Nascimento got it. I'm not surprised either. Um, I just remember I was split screening ADCC and watching phenomenal grappling taking place. While on the UFC screen, it was just abysmal grappling, and I'm just like, man, I I need to see, I need I need MMA to go full circle, and I need to see elite level grapplers, you know, taking on elite level strikers without the cross training. The grapplers get knocked out too often, or you know, they lose and then they go off, and they're like, nah, I'm just gonna do competitive grappling for four years. Where's Prawn Gracie? I don't know. His dad doesn't know. His dad's like he's on a ranch in Montana. I don't know. Yeah, but I want to see like pure, like pure, pure strikers versus pure. You want to roll it back to that UFC one stuff? Yes, sir. All right. I think it's time. Oh uh, yeah, we should we should go back right back to it. You or know. at least like maybe one on every UFC card. <laughs> Just give the give the jujitsu guys a little shine. You give every UFC card, you've got like one boxer out there with one glove, <laughs> wide eyed, terrified, this man in a gi. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Well, Let's right. get a sumo guy out here. I, You know what? I am still waiting for some high level sumo versus sumo action in MMA. It needs to happen. It needs to happen. We need to it get. Has no... Yeah, this fight really was, was ugly. Yeah. Credit to Tanner for having all the effort. Uh, yeah. I mean, round three, he's throwing off his back. He's doing everything he can to try and, like, you know, go out there and uh, boss root in this thing. But uh, Nascimento's on top, and he's plugging away the occasional big right hand, and judges are going to reward that. They're not going to reward you working hard off your back nine times out of ten. And like I think the bigger thing is uh, Bozer's not really known for his power punching. He's more of a, a cumulative kind of guy. And if you're not, you know, really hurting people at heavyweight, you're going to be in some big trouble. Yeah, yeah. It was a rough fight for Bozer all around. I mean, honestly, like those takedowns that Nascimento got in on, they were nice. They weren't the prettiest thing in the world, but they caught Bozer way off guard every time. He... He was not set to defend any of those takedowns until Nascimento already had his hands locked under his ass. And that's that's way too late. So And off his back, he really didn't offer anything up other than closing the guard and holding it. Yeah. It I was mean, really, really not good jujitsu. Like real, no. really bad. Yeah. So they're both only you know, he's kind of only got himself to blame for the spot he got put in at the end there. Yeah, oh a hundred percent. Yeah. 
All right. That brings us to a middleweight bout. Anthony Hernandez, Mark Andre Barrio. And this, I expected a, a close, scrappy fight that Hernandez would gut out through constant aggression and, you know, take down some grappling to striking a little bit of everything. This just turned into a one-sided ass kicking. Yeah. Is Anthony Hernandez the best grappler in 185? <laughs> he's, well, he's now got to go through Andre Protoski, uh, GM3, uh, Andre Mooney's. But if he can beat the, I want to see him fight all of those dudes. You know? Yeah. His grappling was phenomenal out here. It really was. He was just going from position to position, maintaining control, picks up Barrio and drops him on his head. Like a legitimate spike. Like, kaboom, you see his neck compress. Like, scary to see, honestly. Top of Barrio's head was bleeding all kinds of ways after that. I was shocked. And it wasn't yeah. long after that that Fluffy hit the arm triangle. No. But this was this was just brutal. I mean, Hernandez was landing uh, beautiful elbows in the clinch, nasty knees. Uh, Barrio hurt his rib at some point during the fight, which is a, a tall order. I remember I was uh, I was grappling and I hit a trip takedown, and then I dove into top position, but landed right on a knee shield, right on my rib, and like it hurt to breathe for like two months. Yeah. So I I couldn't even imagine having to fight two more rounds. With, an with like a rib. broken rib, potentially. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a rough night at the office. It really is. But, I mean, it, it showed off the best of Hernandez's game and what he wants to do out there. This is a dude who's always been about, like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to hit you, I'm going to shoot on you, and then I am going to outgrapple you. And he made he just made that all work like an infinite cycle for Barrio. Like, you have no room to stop this at any point. And it's great to watch. I mean, you know who he really needs to fight? Mm. Robocop. Ooh, yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Like, who's going to take a backward step? Neither man. So, what happens then? Yeah. I mean, and, you know, Rodriguez is no slouch as a grappler either. I would watch the hell out of that. Yeah, I think that's that would be a banger. Absolutely. After that featherweight fight on the prelims, Damon Jackson, Pat Sabatini, you, me, my dog, everybody else picking Pat Sabatini in this fight, right? Yep. Yeah. And Damon Jackson. Yeah, how could you not? It's just like I watch, I, I go in there watching tape. I'm like, okay, you know. Yeah, maybe Damon Jackson's a little more confident as a striker. Maybe he sells out a little more on his punches. Maybe he's a little more aggressive that way. But neither man's a clean striker. And if this goes to the mat and spends a bunch of time in the grappling realm, Pat Sabatini's the stronger, better athlete, more powerful wrestler. I got You got to give him the edge here. And Jackson just goes out and punts him in the face. That's <laughs> him. Like, oh man, beautiful no. fight for Damon Jackson. This was supernatural. Damon Jackson yeah. uh, summons his inner um, uh, Buster Douglas and really just channeled his trauma. And and poor Pat Sabatini just had to bear the brunt of it. Yeah, 
Jackson looked like a man possessed. Like he scores that front kick to the face and hurts Sabatini. And once he gets on top, man, like I'd, I've never seen him punch so ferociously. That yeah, I mean, Sabatini tapped to strikes. This yeah, was verbal, verbal submission. Yeah, they they have it listed on the on Wiki as a TKO, but that's incorrect. It was a it was a it was a verbal submission due to strikes. Yeah, this was crazy, man. He literally, like, he looked possessed out there. Mm-hmm. Like, this was some like we say savage all the time, and it's, it's it's overused nowadays. But this was some savage ground and pound. Like he. He had extremely bad intentions on those punches. Like he looked like he was out to kill this man. Yeah. I mean, ferocious. Yeah. And then you hear about the burden too that he's bearing where his his brother died during fight week. You know, they found out that. Yeah. And just once again, horrible tragedy for some fighters on this card. And credit to Damon Jackson. You know, he said in the octagon, like, Never crossed my mind that I would pull out of this fight. Even, you know, I think he's, he, the way he put it was fighting is the only time I feel normal. So wow, he felt like real. he had to. He had to go out there and fight and he had to perform and he came up big. And it's a huge win for him, you know? Like, no, this is a massive win. That puts him in, in line to start facing dudes like right at the edge of the top 15. You got guys like, uh, Alex Caceres up there, and even like Edson Barboza up there. Like Barboza's coming off a couple wins. I'd love to see Damon Jackson get that kind of fight. You know, sure. he might not win it, but that's that's the kind of reward he deserves at this point in his career. Is a is a tough fight against a notable name in the division. I, I feel like I never know what to expect out of him. Like I was talking about this going in. This was one of my big question mark fights. Even though I expected that Sabatini could win this, I was wondering about this because the thing I kept thinking was that, like, Damon Jackson doesn't really lose the way Pat Sabatini wins. And you don't think of Damon Jackson as, like, oh, you know, he's a real dangerous, really, like, dude anybody's got to watch out for kind of guy out there. Then you look at his record and you're like, he's only lost, like, four times in his whole career. Five with a no contest that was originally a loss. And most of those losses are to really, really good opponents. Yeah. And, you know, like really top flight. There's a Kevin Aguilar loss. But, you know, these are. That was a long time ago. Yeah. And everything else, like these are good, really good fighters that it takes to beat him. I forgot he was in the UFC uh, back in the day. Yeah. I keep forgetting about that. He got around for a minute. Bulldog choked by Yancey Medeiros at lightweight and then lost a quick triangle to Honey uh, Jason back when Honey Jason was on fire. Then had a draw against Livon Makashvili and got cut. And, like, all those dudes are good. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, then he goes out and he slaves away in the in the hinterlands of LFA and PFL for a few years and comes back and he's just been on fire in the UFC. So and he got a performance bonus and that could be life changing money there. Yeah, hopefully that does good things for him. Really glad that he got that win. Great night for him. And uh, yeah, like I can say, I mean, too, at this point in his career. 
Like, just kick him up towards the top of the division. He's 34. He's had 28 fights. Like, you're not, you know, give him a chance to prove himself because it's not, yeah. it's not going to, that chance isn't going to come around again. Now's the time for sure, especially yeah. after beating Pat Sabatini the way he did. Yeah. Completely steamrolled him. Yeah. All right. That brings us to a welterweight bout. Trevin Giles, Lewis Cosi. This fight sucked ass. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was going to be a little more friendly about it, but yeah, no, you're right. It did. It horrible. I I pissed some people off because I scored it for Kosi, and I don't even care, and I'm not going to defend that because the fight was awful. Um, yeah, I scored it for Giles, but whatever. It was whatever. A trash fight. It was a trash fight. R- round one sucked, round two sucked, round three sucked. Next. Like, yeah, it's moving on. I bring this to a woman's strawweight bout. Loma Lukbunmi, Denise Gomes, and um, the story kind of stays the same on Loma Lukbunmi. She got the win she needed to get here. It's a UFC newcomer. It's a striker who's not a lot bigger than her. That's kind of an ideal fight for Lukbunmi. But there's still a little bit of her that feels like you know, even against somebody who was not bigger than her, who's not as skilled as her, it still felt like Denise Gomes was a little. Or De- I think it's actually like Denise Gomes, actually, which it's going to be hard for me to ever remember to say that. But De- Denise Gomes still felt like Denise Gomes was a little stronger. And like any time Lukbunmi made a little mistake, tech- like where she didn't do something perfect. Gomes was right there to put it on her and make this fight really rough. And yeah, but look when me was still technically way better than her, could still technically outfight her in the clinch, could still te- technically outfight her standing. Well, but I, honestly, she outfought her everywhere. Yeah, like Gomes did get into some really excellent positions, but yeah. couldn't do anything with them. Like you lock yeah. up a full-on arm triangle and you can't finish. You got an RNC and you can't finish. Yeah. Like, yeah. that, if anything, that shows the, the toughness, the grit, and the submission defense of Loma Lukbumi. It does. It just also suggests, you know, she's still giving up really bad positions to opposition that she should be able to handle at this point in her career. But, I mean, I like the fact that she's working on it real time in the cage. It's true. It's you know, true. She, she's hitting these trips. She's getting the good positions. She's yeah. going for stuff. And, like, when she when Loma gets on top, instantly it's it's dropping elbow time. Yeah. Like nasty, no. nasty Muay Thai elbow. Like, Muay Thai her whole life. Like, nasty elbows. It, her top game, when she gets into, like, half guard, when she's not stuck in full guard where her size becomes a pretty big limitation again, and even then in full guard sometimes when she's not fighting off a triangle or an arm bar, when she's when she is on top and comfortably out of submission threat, her to- her ground and pound is brutal. Yeah, it's nasty. She really shows the value of all the the clinch training, the elbow training, that kind of close-in strike training that she's done over her years where suddenly she's in that position where, you know, she's treating that like a clinch and she's just firing elbows away, rapid fire. It's great to see. And her balance is on that BJ Penn level. 
Yeah. Like, it's so hard to take her down. Like, she is so proficient in the clinch that it's just hard to to get, to get trip her up and get her off balance. Yeah, and, really. man, that elbow she hit right off – it might have been a step-in elbow that cut <laughs> Denise right away. Yeah. That, that was. was fantastic. The kick's fantastic. Like, she is so much fun to watch. She, I thought this was this was a good performance. Yes, yeah, she put herself in a lot of bad positions, but she got out of a lot of bad positions. She did. She did. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy as long as Loma, as long as the UFC keeps finding Loma Lukumi fights that she can win and ways for her to stay stick around in the UFC. I'm happy about it. Open up, open up the atom weight division already. Come on. Yeah. All right. That brings us to a lightweight bout: Trey Ogden, Daniel Zellhuber. I will admit. A couple of days ago, I came to one of our writers on Bloody Elbow Staff, and I said, hey, Daniel Zell Hoover, fighter to watch on this week. Fighter to watch on this week's card. He's all lined up for a big win. This is right in his crosshairs. Trey Ogden, little foot slow, not a very, uh, you know, venomous striker at all doesn't have a takedown game that he can easily turn to even though he's got some submissions and stuff zell huber fires some nice straight shots he's got some sting this is just lined up perfectly for him to go out and win it Mm, yep no he choked yeah he choked big time just absolutely he got veteraned like ogden went out there he just leaned on. He leaned on this idea the other time about with the Algeo fight with against me. Like he leaned on kicks. He leaned on an active lead hand, and he stopped Zell Huber every single time Zell Huber wanted to push forward. He got met with a kick or a lead hand, and he stopped pushing. Even if these things didn't have sting on them, they constantly scared him off of pressing the fight. Took himself right out of it. Yeah, he was gun shy from from go. Like he just was not willing to pull the trigger when he needed to pull the trigger. It was almost uh, a paralysis by analysis kind of situation, where you know he was making all these reads but just never actually doing anything with them. And it just seemed like the bright lights got to him, and he wasn't comfortable enough. Maybe he was having an outer body experience and felt like he was moving in slow motion or something, you know, because this is huge. Yeah, like this yeah. is the UFC. This is a big yeah. step up. And this was his moment. And there's a lot of pressure and a lot of hype around him. And he not everyone can kind of push that to the side and perform. I mean, the guy is 23 years old, super young. You know, these things yeah. happen. We'll see. We'll see. He's got a lot to prove in his next fight, though. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like. You're not going to get a lot more fights like Trey Ogden in the UFC, you know? Yeah, sure. He's That is a fight that was set up for him. That was a fight for him to go out and perform. Everything after this, like, you, you the other guys at the bottom of that lightweight division clawing their own way, but trying to claw their own way back from losses, a lot of them are just as good as you. You know, like that's gonna he it's it puts him in a hard hole in a division like that. Yeah. So. But I, I think his youthful exuberance will hopefully uh allow yeah. him to overcome that. He'll hole. get more opportunities, so 
Yeah, hopefully his manager, you know, they get some options. His manager picks the right one for him. He bounces back, but it was a, that was a rough performance out there. Great win for Trey Ogden, though. Saved a UFC career that, you know, I would not, I would not have been at all surprised would have been on life support had he lost. So good on him for getting that win. That brings us to a woman's flyweight bout. Jillian Robertson, Maria Agapova. And um, this was a bit, you know, like it wasn't as damaging, but this had all the drama of that uh, Rodriguez and Jokowani fight. This was a lot of fun. A lot of fun, really pitched back and forth. Both women have kind of been known for their potential to melt down in the cage. We've seen Robertson a few times where she gets behind against a striker who can really tune her up and her striking just vanishes. It vanished here against Agapova. And we've seen Agapova in a few fights where she starts to have a little a little success or a little failure. Things go a little right, they go a little wrong, she goes a little crazy, and she starts getting out grappled, now positioned. Mm-hmm. And both things happened here. Agapova came out. She tuned Robertson up. Robertson got in on some early takedowns that didn't do any good for her. She got hit with a lot of shots, trying to get Agapova down. All the shots got busted up. Her face was all swole up. Round two came around. It still looks like she's just, you know, in her own head, not confident. But she, she chased down one opportunity into a back take. And that's all it took. She got her arm under Maria Agapova's neck in the process, and it took Agapova like 30 whole seconds to succumb to a rear naked. She didn't fight that rear naked choke even a little bit. I don't know what was going on. I thought she was going to bite her tongue off. It really looked like it. I mean, the moment that arm went under her mouth, or under her, her, her chin, rather, she started spitting her mouthpiece out. And then the whole rest of the way, she had her arms out straight, flailing, not fighting the hands even a little. And she's got her tongue sticking out, and she's, like, biting her tongue as though that's going to keep her conscious somehow. And it didn't. Yeah, what in the Steven Seagal was that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was, like, that was on that, like, Michael Chiesa... uh, Rest in my eyes situation when he was facing uh who put him to sleep uh Kevin Lee yeah yeah like, you you didn't even defend yeah like, what were you doing like why why didn't you fight the hands why like, why'd you fight the legs <laughs> it was definitely bizarre and then she it just goes good. out and like she's all she's like drooling as she's unconscious like this was a this was a rough sight to see to be quite honest it really was. Great win for Robertson, though. She's, uh, you know, she's still got like the same hangups are still there. Her striking vanished the moment Agapova started tagging her. But, uh, you know, she's showing a little more toughness. She showed some bounce back in this fight. That's what she's really needed. So good on her to get the win. Good resolve for eating all those Travis Brown elbows and hammer fists dying on that single leg. Yeah. All right, that brings us to a bantamweight bout. Javid Bashrat, Tony Gravely, and um, 
Yeah, good start for Gravely and good rest of the fight for Boshrot, you know? Once. Um, so here's my thing with Basharat. Yeah. Uh, so remember last week how we were talking about Darian Weeks and how like he's super athletic but doesn't have any of the timing? Yep. Basharat has all the timing. He does have all the timing, doesn't he? All of it. Like the, it, it is very, very uh, just beautiful to watch. Uh, he does leave himself out there to be hit. Sure. But the way he controls range and he had he had gravelly biting on every little faint like everything overreacting yeah. to things drawing out the strikes to counter the counter strikes like it's it's there's brilliance in there i, I mean he out wrestled he out wrestled gravelly on yeah. timing the hips the hips are, are are intelligent as well for sure yeah and i mean i i think just with a little more fine-tuning He's he's gonna be a real problem mm-hmm. at 135 pounds. He's long, he's big, he's got the timing, he's extremely well rounded. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of he works the body. This was he's a great just, performance. There's a lot to like there. Yeah. For Gravely to start well and you know, get some takedown, do some work, make this fight hard, stay in Boshrat's face, and Boshrat just slowed him down. He took the steam off the shot. And once he did that, he had the timing, he had the speed, and he was able to start out wrestling gravely. And, like, you put all that together, and that's a damn good performance. You know, that that means that if he goes up this division, it's going to take something special to take him off of his fight. It's not going to just be, oh, this guy can wrestle some or, yeah, you know, oh, this guy's going to make it physical or make it messy. It's got to be somebody who can match him, him for his speed and timing and bring power and make him pay for the defensive gaps in his game. And even while you're doing that, he's going to make, he's going to be finding his own shots. So uh, this was, this was a very smart uh, performance and he had to overcome a, a headbutt that cut him open. Another yeah. cut had to cut, cut him open in the first round, two headbutts, I think actually. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least two clashes of heads. Clash of heads. I don't think gravely was doing anything to try to headbutt him. It was just no. a, there's the fight. They're different. They're very different heights. Boshrat's a lot, a lot taller, and Gravely's pushing forward on takedown attempts a lot. And you know, Boshrat was trying to meet him on those. And when you do that, you're gonna end up clashing heads. Man, I was really loving how he was drawing out the strikes from Gravely, making yeah. him miss. Gravely missed so many punches. He did. Just couldn't find the range. Great fight from Boshrat. That His brother's in the UFC now. Yeah, too. yeah, he just got in on the contender series, so they're going to be. There's a co-problem there for. Yeah, we get to call them the Bash Brothers. Shout Can out we? to the Mighty Ducks. All right, all right, fine. Uh, <laughs> I got to remember. I'm trying to fight, figure out real quick. Is his brother in the same division as him? Let's see. Uh, I thought so. He's either featherweight or, or 135, but I'm pretty sure. Let's see. He's bantamweight. So, yeah, they are the same size. So, two Boshrots, one division. That's All right. Cool. You Separate. think we'll ever see them fight each other? No, I, I not. Brother versus brother fights are gross. 99% really, really terrible. They're gross, eh? They are. They always feel like you're watching a domestic disturbance. It's not. <laughs> 
Thank you. All right. That brings us to a lightweight bout. Nicholas Mata, Cameron Van Camp. And uh, great fight for Mata. Van Camp tried to, he, he, I think he got an idea of what worked for Jim Miller. Jim Miller really disrupted Mata's counter punching with low kicks off of combos, where Miller would throw like a one two low kick and Mata would be trying to counter the one two and he'd get re- hit really hard by the low kick and it would totally disrupt his timing. And get, Van Camp kind of get, he came out there and he tried to throw a lot of the low kicks without the one twos in front of him. Yes. And Mata just marched those, marched through those and marched him down and started clubbing him to get the uh, first round TKO, which was, you know, just the performance Mata needed after that Jim Miller fight. Rough out for Van Camp, but I'm glad to see Mata bounce back in the UFC and get a win. You know, he he made a big plea for the 50,000 afterward, but, uh, it doesn't yeah. appear that happened. So yeah, I feel bad for Van Camp. He's uh he's just so hittable. Yeah, it's just it's just too much face blocking going on. Yeah, it's it's real rough when like you're you know he, I think Mata's like what five nine maybe five ten and Van Camp is six two, so there's a huge size difference here. And when your opponent can still just like march you down and find your chin with ease. There, there's a po- there's a positioning problem going on there. What's a little ironic is he got into the UFC coming off of three submissions in the in a row, and all we've seen him do is throw hands. Yeah, well, if you watch those fights, those submissions they they weren't like, oh, I out wrestled somebody and then I got a submission. It was like we had a wild brawl, and in the middle of it. I caught something, you know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So, rough outing for Van Camp. Great bounce back for Mata. All told, fun card. Mata with the the big TKO. Boshra Gravely was a lot of fun. Robertson Agapova, a lot of fun. Ogden Zell, Huber, yeah. look with me, Gomes, Giles Kosi, yeah, a little of a bit of a dull stretch in there. Things got a little quiet, especially wrapping up with that Giles Kosi fight. Well, I but loved the Loma fight. The Loma I fight. I loved it. It was good. It was good. I'm just saying, in the middle of that run, it was, you know, Zell, Huber, Ogden, Giles Kosi. It was a stretch where I, when I was running the Twitter, I was getting a lot of feedback from fans. They're like, oh, God. what? <laughs> but then we get Jackson Sabatini. Just an absolute shit kicking from Damon Jackson. Hernandez Barrio. Beautiful fight from Hernandez. Nascimento Boza sucked. Pfeiffer Amadovsky. Awesome. Feely Algio. Awesome. Gregory Rodriguez. Chi Jaguani. Awesome. Santa Higgins. Song Yadon. Awesome. And it was a it was a fun night overall. I got insane for nights. I mean, yeah. we got we got two tech subs. We got a submission, a verbal submission to strikes. We got a ton of nasty, gruesome cuts. Yep. I mean, it's this is fantastic. Knockouts. I mean, a couple yeah. of slogs in there. Everything, everything fun, you could a ask. Fun night of fights. Yeah. 
On that note, we're going to wrap it up. You can find me on Twitter at TheZaneTime. You can find Eddie on Twitter at TheEddieMercati. You can find both of us over at Give us a like, subscribe to our podcast, and Bloody Elbow Presents on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all that good stuff. We'll be back in one week's time. Wait, no. Two weeks' time. Two weeks' time for UFC Fight Night, Dern versus Jan. Until then, adios, everybody. Thank you for listening to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Vivisection, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, Sixth Round Retro, the MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, exclusive fighter interviews, show money, guest podcasts, and radio-style play-by-play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and on bloodyelbow.com.